0: Welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. We are back after another week off to go on another week off next or this coming weekend. But we were back this week. And it was a race this week.
1: See? So it was perfectly timed.
0: <laughs> and, you know, we'll talk a little more about the race later on. But I got to say, I'm not really sure that all the commentary about how amazing and how awesome this race was was really justified because okay okay, the the start was 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 pretty good and then we we settled down to a lot of boring and a lot of uninteresting and then we had two tire blowouts and a sprint race
1: (laughs) yeah we didn't have any like really fantastic passes I didn't feel like we, we saw any of that I did take a nap through part of it so there's there's that um I have to agree with you although I have to say most interesting qualifying we've ever had.
0: yeah, four red flags in a qualifying session is um pretty shy but then again, you know this was the carnage that we expected the first year that the race happened and we got none of it.
1: And you know what's funny is they kept reprofiling the corner that we knew was going to be the problem,
0: and it isn't a problem.
1: But that's it was the reprofile of that corner that they were hitting.
0: No, no, no. The corner that they kept reprofiling is the one going into uh, by the by the castle. Okay. And, and the the climb up to the castle, they were not hitting the wall there. Okay. There were other parts that that was an issue, but not the castle.
1: Oh, I thought that, that was one of the places where the, we had a wall hit. No. Um, but I'm like, everything about that was a weird race. And then everyone is already gearing up for the fact that we're headed to Paul Ricard, and we're going to go back gonna to Boring. Going to be
0: boring. Yeah. Going to be boring. So we got to go back a couple of weeks because there were a couple of things that happened that were notable while we were gone. The first being that former um, FIA president Max Mosley passed away at age 81. Yes. Now, Max was a very close friend of Bernie Eccleston. Correct. So it should be no surprise that Bernie described... The loss of Max, like losing a brother,
1: that does not shock me in the least.
0: But also keep in mind that so when we finally get to talk about Spygate, part of the reason that McLaren got fined, the massive fine that they did, was because Max doesn't Max didn't like Ron Dennis.
1: Mm. Okay, that seems. Arbitrary,
0: It kind of was. And that's what a lot of folks talked about, especially when um, later in the season, there was another incident with other teams and they got fined like a fifth of this. Now, Max, while he did a lot as president of the FIA when it came to road safety and he pushed a lot of those safety campaigns, he was a fairly controversial figure. Um, like the time that um, he got, he claimed to have been beat up leaving his apartment in London and yet the only thing that was lost was his watch um, or the time that he appeared in the tabloids wearing a Nazi uniform. So yeah, kind of, I could see why Bernie Eccleston and him got along because they're both kind of Neanderthalic in their views.
1: Neanderthalic.
0: You liked that, didn't you? Yeah. It's a pretty good definition.
1: Yeah, yes. But they also, if <clears throat> I remember correctly, they didn't agree on everything.
0: They did not. Um, and there were things that he did that had a significant impact in moving the sport forward. Um, you know, he presided over the sport in the early 2000s when there was a lot of change going on in terms of the aerodynamics and the technology and the safety, and he presided over a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But he also was prone to stepping in a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> the other loss that came, and, and this occurred just yesterday. Um, Sunday, rather. I'm sorry. I'm thinking, no. Yeah, yesterday.
1: Yesterday was Sunday.
0: <clears throat> Word came out yesterday, Sunday, it's that... <clears throat> McLaren shareholder Mansur Oj, and he's a majority shareholder now because he he bought he led the hostile takeover to boot Ron Dennis out a couple of years ago. But Mansur Oj passed away at the age of 68. Oh wow! Um, he'd been a shareholder of the McLaren team since
1: 1984. Wow. Now I didn't know anything about him. I still don't know anything about him. I'll- I'm looking at the first time I've ever seen his picture, um,
0: but he, he's, he, you know, we didn't see him a whole lot, but he, a lot of McLaren's money came from Mancer.
1: So what I was going to say was the ripples of his passing was going through the paddock on Sunday morning, and there was lots of talk about how influential he was in the McLaren world, and and. Pushing that team forward.
0: So where the family's money came from is that Mansoor's father established techniques d'avant-garde. You might know it's TAG, as in the TAG from TAG Hoyer. Oh. Right. That's the investment firm that became a backer of Williams in 1979. And then in 1981... Tag became a partner of the team and was rebranding engines for McLaren. Oh, okay. So there was a stretch that McLaren was running Tag engines. That's the Tag.
1: Got it. Okay. Yes.
0: So very influential in the direction that McLaren has gone since the 80s.
1: And I like his watches.
0: Well, there's that too. <laughs> Other losses, and, and this one, not a huge surprise. We, we kind of saw this coming, and there's going to be one more, I think, that's coming as well. The Singapore Grand Prix has been canceled because of coronavirus restrictions. Um, apparently, organizers in, in Singapore said that uh, they have not been able to, well, because of the corona situation, coronavirus situation in Singapore, The city, state, and the organizers have been keeping strict entry rules in place um, basically to prevent it from running out of control in the small city state. Mm -hmm. They are not willing to lift those rules for Formula One. Now, you have to wonder, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but you have to wonder if everybody associated with Formula One who was going to Singapore was vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Would the Singapore government have been more open to them coming? And I don't know. And and some of that is probably also dependent on how many of the spectators who attend the race are international travelers.
1: And <clears throat> I think that's the other piece of the puzzle. Is this is a street race? It's closing down streets. There's costs and everything involved with that. Mm-hmm. You need to find a way to recoup <clears throat> some of that. And if you can't do that with fans because that's the question, would you have the fan base in the tiny uh, city state that they couldn't, you know, we could bring the formula 1 in, but we're not bringing international fans in. That may be the critical piece is
0: Well, it it's not just that, but I think it's it's Indonesia that has the the direct bridge crossing into Singapore. Okay. And, you know, if a lot of their fans that attend that race race, typically come from Indonesia because they cross over the bridge crossing and now the bridge crossing is closed, that could be the issue too.
1: Well, yes. And there's also some hotspots that are going on in that area of the Mm -hmm. world. So, I mean, I can understand. I don't think, like you said, I don't think that we were particularly surprised by it. Um, you said you think that another one's going to get canceled too. What do you think that is?
0: Oh, I think it's almost guaranteed that Brazil's getting canceled.
1: Oh, you've been saying that for a while. Uh Uh-huh.
0: I I, I would be shocked if Brazil happens. Okay. Um, so Formula One is still pushing to maintain the 23 race season. So a couple of options have been floated, including a back-to-back in Austin, Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of cool, um, especially since it looks like Austin will probably be able to host a race. Uh, but a back to back in Austin has been floated. China has been floated as an option. And we know that track does not get used. Right. The other option that's being floated, and, and I don't know how serious it is given that it's been canceled once already, Turkey. is Turkey.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised when they were talking about that, too. I was like, wait a minute. I thought that was a hotspot or on the red list for the UK. But maybe if they can figure out how to slot it in so that the quarantines work right.
0: And and they may be banking on the possibility that they'll get removed from the list. And I don't know. They may have been removed already. I, I don't know. But it just it seems odd that people are talking about, well, maybe Turkey could host it. I think it's also a possibility, given what we're hearing, that Japan may get canceled. Oh, wow. Well, if, if you think about all of the talk around the Olympics right now, and the pressure on Japan about that, and Japan saying that they are not allowing foreign spectators to enter the country to attend the Olympics, and that the events are going to be, hold, be held without spectators, you got to kind of wonder whether or not they're going to welcome Formula One in
1: well that's a big question but do you find it odd and i mean i realized we had a delayed season last year and you know they did so much but do you find it funny funny odd not funny haha that last year the minute the the season got started we had no changes like they worked really really hard to start the season and keep it going
0: but also remember that When they restarted the season, we didn't know how many races the season was going to be. Truth. So they worked under much narrower windows to build that schedule out.
1: And I I, I grant that. I just find it, like I said, odd Mm -hmm. in that last year, yes, they, we didn't know how many races it was going to be. We knew it would be, they were shooting for at least eight, so it could be a championship. But. We didn't know, and they, hey, it's Tuesday. Can we have a race there on Friday? Kind of felt like it a little bit, it and not quite was. that bad, yeah, but it was close. This year, okay, we had we, we know the world situation is getting better, and yet they've they came out with a schedule. This was our hope. This is the plan, and we've had uh, so many of these little twists and turns, mm-hmm. and things happening. I just find that. Um, overusing the word "odd."
0: The the schedule this year was ambitious. Mm-hmm. Given everything that was going on, it was ambitious. It, it really was. Yeah. Um. I don't necessarily think the race is at risk because of this. However, last week there was a si- very significant rainstorm. In the Arden Forest, you know, where spies, where sometimes...
1: It rains on one part of the track, but not on the other part of the track.
0: In this case, it rained really, really heavy on one part of the track. We don't know if it rained on the whole track or not. But one part of the track, however, significant rains. So, um, yeah, it was last weekend... Uh, Last Friday afternoon, there was the Spa Euro Race, and its event comprised of several regional GTN touring car championships. They had to halt on-track activities due to heavy rain. Um, The situation then worsened when the track, which was located in a valley, was hit by severe flooding caused by a nearby river flood. Um, Participants posted footage on social media Of the endurance pits and eau rouge area of the track inundated by um, waves of muddy water
1: it looks impressive um i also see that it they have a return to the hay bales on the side of the track
0: those are not hay bales that's the water pouring over the walls oh wow that is not hay bales
1: it looks like hay bales
0: Mm -hmm. um the track surface at the endurance grandstand had been lifted by the forces of nature and will be repaved, the circuit said in a statement on Saturday. The sides of the track have also been damaged and a very thorough cleanup is required. The floods have not just carried along water, but also earth and mud. Several parts of the circuit have been flooded, including VIP boxes, basements, and tunnels at Stur, Eau Rouge, and Blanchemont. Wow. Uh, In addition, there's a rock face on the right side of the Radion pit exit. Um, That has started to sag. That needs to be reinforced as well. Um, The track is confident they'll be able to carry out the necessary repairs by today or tomorrow, Tuesday, um, to allow on-track activities to resume. Um, The same time that this happened, apparently, Spa is in the process of an $80 million renovation (laughs) to modernize the facilities. Whoa. And then this happens.
1: You know, really and truly, we could have used some of that rain here.
0: Yeah, we could have. I don't know if we could have used quite as much of it.
1: I don't think I want that much rain. But we could have (laughs) split it up and probably not had either side flood. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of rain. You know, I've heard races being called for a lot of reasons, but mud is not one of them. Not yet. But could be.
0: Yeah. So, another, more track news. Zanford is aiming for one hundred and five thousand attendees for the race in September,
1: and they will all be wearing orange.
0: Yeah, probably, especially if uh, Max is leading the championship at that point. He won't be. That place will be off the hook if, if even if Max is in a championship fight. That place will be off the hook.
1: It will be entirely orange.
0: Yeah. Um, but Dutch Prime Minister Mark Root announced plans to relax COVID-19 restrictions in the Netherlands, effectively ending the lockdown on June 5th. Um, he, the public health minister says that he expects social distancing and mask wearing to be lifted from September 1st. So they are very hopeful that they will be able to welcome 105,000 fans per day. Wow. Yeah. Now, the, the corollary to this, actually, the teams are kind of scrambling as a result of the Dutch government. Ah. So the Dutch government went to Formula One and said, hey, yeah, we think we can host 105,000 people for this event. However, we want all of your folks who are attending the race, all of the Formula One personnel, to be fully vaccinated prior to the event.
1: On one hand, I'd, I'm i kind of stunned if they're not.
0: Well, that's the issue because the UK... So the National Health Service in the UK, where most of the teams are based, they have only uh, rolled out... They're still controlling it based on age. So it has only just now reached the 30-year-old age limit. Oh, wow. So while the age limit is coming down in the gap between injections was recently reduced from 12 to eight weeks, there's concern for those in their early 20s to receive both of their injections by the start of September. Wow. Yeah. So um, because the rollout was slow in Italy, Alpha, Tori and Pirelli all took advantage of Bahrain's offer that we talked about earlier this year to get their folks vaccinated. But not all of the teams have done this, and originally, so they knew walking into the summer that for Saudi Arabia, for the the Riyadh race, you know, mm-hmm. we races one except in Saudi Arabia, um, they knew that the Saudis had said that they want everybody vaccinated. However, that race was in December, or, or still planned for December. So everyone's like, okay, we got plenty of time; we can deal with this. Now that the Dutch have turned around and said, yeah, we're in September and we want you all back. Now there's a little bit of concern.
1: True. True. I mean, they need to send them over here. We seem to have access.
0: There's that. You've also got to wonder if maybe the the UK government may speed things up or we'll see.
1: Well, now that it's slowing down in the US. Everybody
0: goes to Bahrain for uh, the mid-season break.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you don't go to the Bahrain, go to the U.S. because they have extra vaccines. Yeah.
0: So, and I think we had talked about this a couple of months ago. Um, the deal that brought Alpha Romeo back to Formula One was, at, well, it was supposed to expire last year. It got extended for a year. Uh, we do have word that Sauber is working with Stellantis, who, which is the the new parent company for Alfa Romeo and Chrysler and Dodge and Ferrari and all those, they are working with Stellantis to renew the deal. Okay. So we shall see what happens there.
1: So we could still see an Alfa on the
0: track. Then again, since Stellantis also owns Peugeot and Dodge, maybe we could see a Chrysler on the track. No. (laughs) That would be silly. It would be. It would be pretty silly. Um so remember that pit stop in Monaco? You mean the one
1: that lasted a long time and Botas didn't get his tire off?
0: Yeah, that one. Almost as epically bad as the Red Bull pit stop for Daniel Ricciardo where they didn't have his tires. Yes. And then they were like Keystone cops and bouncing off of each other and all of that. Almost as bad as that. Now, was it as... Actually no, it was it was worse than that.
1: Now, was it as bad as the Keystone cops of the Mercedes pit stop and Ger- the German Grand Prix, the first time Netflix was filming?
0: So, I'm going to use this standard. <laughs> <laughs> so, ultimately, this pit stop lasted 43 hours.
1: Yeah, and I still question that because they didn't get the tire off for almost a week.
0: They got the tire off the Wednesday following the race. Right. Wednesday or Thursday following, they had to get the car back to the factory.
1: Okay. But if the if they got it off on Wednesday...
0: And the race was Sunday.
1: Right. Two days is 48 hours. And they're saying it was 43 hours. So they okay. would have had to get it off on Tuesday.
0: But the race started, what? Four o'clock... No, three o'clock Central European time. Correct. So... All right, I'm going with what everybody's saying online. That's what that's what I'm going. With. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you go to Google and you type in "longest F1 pit stop,"
1: Valtteri Bottas comes. Forty
0: three hours. That's what it says on Google. Okay. Because apparently, these last two weeks have been kick Valtteri Bottas when he's down.
1: Oh, poor guy. So.
0: Mercedes got the the, the tire off. Um, they released a video, of which it was interesting because, we, you know, we heard that they had machined this thing on, and that was why it stripped everything. And the video that they showed was a guy with, like, a dental pick chiseling away at it, and then they were able to just unscrew the wheel and it came off, or unscrew the nut, and everything came off. But he was there with a dental pick getting it off. Wow. Yeah. Now,
1: well, maybe he had to get some of the shrapnel out of the edges
0: something like that so mercedes has done their investigation and they have reviewed everything and they have identified the cause now remember this is the team that says that when we fail we all fail and nobody's to blame and they said it was valtteri's fault
1: okay but he parked weird
0: yeah that was the claim the claim was that Valtteri Bottas pulled into the pit box. His approach was off. He pulled into the pit box at an angle. And as a result, when the, the uh, operator of the air gun put the air gun into the wheel and hit the bolt, it was off at an angle and it damaged the threads and caused everything, it caused the entire mishap.
1: But I thought it was cross-threaded. And cross-threaded would have been on the mounting of the tire the first time.
0: Correct. That's not what Mercedes says happened. Oh. They're saying that it was damage to the threads and the teeth from the car being in the pit box at an angle. And that's what caused everything because he hit it at an angle, it damaged it more, and then when the, when the gun spun, instead of going and grabbing the teeth, it chewed them up, like when you do with a, a screwdriver and it chews up the the head.
1: Okay, but you know, it could have been the gunman's problem for maybe he was sitting at a an odd angle.
0: Mercedes says it was Valtteri's fault.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sure Valtteri appreciates that. Uh, Val
0: Valtteri said, wait, what? <laughs> they, they said, what now? <laughs> so what Valtteri said was, yeah, I was surprised. I saw the video. And for me, it was pretty spot on where I stopped. So I was quite surprised. Um He said... We analyzed everything in detail, and we know what we probably could have done a better job as a team. With the pit stop, of course, you know. It was very normal debrief on my side. Of course, I wanted to see all the reports about where I stopped. I think it was like two or three centimeters off the central line. And if you get that accuracy normally, it's pretty good. You know, you can easily swing by 10 to 15 centimeters. So I thought it was pretty spot on. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: Remember, Mercedes, when we fail, we all fail as one and nobody's to blame. Unless Except it's Valtteri. Around, <laughs> unless, unless it's Valtteri. Valtteri <laughs> Botas, and then, yeah, we're going to throw him under the bus. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But again, if you go in Google, longest F1 pit stop, 43 hours. And yeah, overhead shot of Valtteri's car in the pit lane.
1: Poor guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, you know, si- since we're, we're we're talking about Valter and
1: beating up even, on Valter, even
0: going into this week, where his his performance was, he had a really rough start to the week. Okay, um, he got stuck in the airport trying to get to Azerbaijan on Thursday. You know where they normally do their press conferences trackside. Uh, Valteris took his from the airport because he was stuck at the airport and it was at the airport in Azerbaijan. Oh my. Yeah. But one of the things that he said, and apparently this is, um, after a suggestion by Toto Wolf, he says that this came from Toto, that he uses a negative computer desktop picture as motivation to show them what I can do i'm not sure who them are
1: i want to know or what the
0: image is i want to
1: know what this negative image is i mean is it like i don't know a crashed car on the side of the road i mean what is this
0: image that so what toto said apparently over the spanish grand prix is that one of his managed tech management techniques is encouraging employees to have a photo of their rival in a place of prominence. It acts as motivation. He says, you could place a a photo of that person in the calendar or on the desk, and every time there's a little lack of motivation, you look at these people. Everyone is free to do it. Of the people I work with, I keep seeing such photos pop out. It's good. It's called enemy building, and it's a powerful psychological weapon. As for myself, I have two photos that I always carry with me and that are on my desktop. Neither of the two people has anything to do with Formula One or with racing altogether. It's about business. So he doesn't carry a photo of Jack or Susie with him wherever he goes. Instead, he carries two photos of people he hates.
1: You don't know if he doesn't have a picture of Jack or Susie. He He says says he,
0: he... always has two photos that he carries with him and that are on his desktop
1: right and he only, oh, he has those face. he doesn't say he only has those two photos
0: I prefer only
1: you just because you want to make it up in your own head that he doesn't have a picture of Susie with him at all times I am convinced that I bet you if you know when I call Toto tomorrow I'm gonna to ask him to open up his phone and show me the most recent picture of Susie that he has on his phone 'cause you okay. know he has one with Jack. I'm sure. You
0: would think so. Now, Botus wait, wait, was... wait.
1: Wait. Do you have a picture of me on your phone? Somewhere. Anytime in the last month? Uh,
0: probably from Facebook.
1: So don't don't even start with with my my buddy Toto.
0: Oh, I can do that. So anyway, Valtteri. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So what Valtteri has said, he says, I don't carry a picture of Lewis or Max in my pocket. Because that would be weird. (laughs) I don't carry a picture of Lewis or Max in my pocket. I have one actually inspired by the chats with Toto last year. I have one thing on my computer, a desktop picture. That is motivation to me every time I open the computer. It's not really a positive thing. It's a negative thing that always reminds me to show them what I can do. And when he was asked about what the picture was, he says, I won't tell you. Okay. I I, I don't know. I guess.
1: The problem is the way Valteri is driving right now.
0: It's not helping.
1: Well, A, it's not helping, but perhaps he's put his sights on the wrong enemy. He's not looking at Lewis. He's not looking at Max. He's looking at, like, Ricardo. I don't know. George Russell.
0: It's that reminder that even though Pastor Maldonado was a jerk, he beat him that year.
1: Something like I that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I Yeah. Mattia Benotto, um, he, he's been kicked off the pit wall at Ferrari.
1: No Harry Potter on the pit wall
0: anymore. No, he'll be he'll be watching. And, and this is not unusual if you think about it, because Toto Wolf doesn't watch the race from the pit wall. Mm-hmm. He watches the race from the garage. Mattia will be watching the race from the garage. Ah, oh, so he's
1: not being kicked out of the race. He's just moving Not seats. watching from...
0: He's been kicked off the pit wall. Well... So each team only gets seven seats on the pit wall. Okay. And apparently Mattia does not rate one.
1: He's just the team principal. There's strategists and everybody else that needs to be well, on the Well, pit that's wall. it.
0: The, the new sporting director and the new uh, head of strategy have seats on the pit wall. And it was the head of strategy that replaced Mattia on the pit wall. Which makes me wonder, where was he sitting <coughs> before?
1: The old head of strategy?
0: I, I don't know. Maybe. Mattia. <laughs> I, yeah. So, yeah, no, no longer have Harry Potter on the pit wall. He will be in the garage just like Toto.
1: Okay. Well, as long as he's not in a cupboard under the stairs.
0: And the other thing to remember is Mattia had said a couple of months ago that he wasn't going to be going to every race. Mm-hmm. So that's probably some of it too.
1: Well, you don't get a seat on the pit wall if you're not present at all the races.
0: Every fifth race, you get a free seat on the pit wall. Yeah. No,
1: no. If you can't commit, you don't get a seat at the Oh, go- is that what it is? The grown ups table.
0: Pit wall seats are for closers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Coffee is for closers. Pit wall seats are for people that show up.
0: All right. So, the race this weekend. Like we mentioned, pretty good start. Actually, it was a really good start. Mm-hmm. Um, A sprint race at the end, and and kind of dull in the middle. Except for two pretty surprising incidents. Correct. Um, Both, and, and, all right, I I will freely admit because it was Lance Stroll, I just assumed he was incompetent and lost the car in a straight line. Um, That's where I went when I saw it. I'm not ashamed of that. It is Lance Stroll after all. Um, But no, it turns out that... uh, The left rear tire? Left rear. No. No, right rear. Left rear. No, right rear. Left rear.
1: Left rear? Left rear.
0: Okay. I thought it was the one that didn't hit the wall when Stroll went went spinning away.
1: I don't know which one hit the wall, but it was left rear on both Max and Stroll's car. It was the same.
0: It was the same. Tire. Right. It was the same tire. Um, But suddenly losing that at high speed that was the other thing on for both of them it was on a straight at high speed when that tire went with no warning correct um so we got the safety car for um lance mm-hmm. and we briefly got a safety car and ultimately a red flag for verstappen correct couple of reasons for that um For And honestly, I thought for Lance, just because of the location of where it was, the red flag would have made better sense. But I guess it it was because he was at the entrance to the pit lane was problem number one. Mm -hmm. So if they were going to red flag it, you would have had to bring the cars either onto the pit lane or stop them on the grid, Uh, which I don't think they wanted to stop them on the grid and trying to do that dodge around the pit lane they probably weren't comfortable with. Um, But because of that Lance was off to the side... And most of the debris was off to the side. Michael Massey was okay with the safety car for that period as opposed to outright red flag for the incident with Max. So, eventually, a safety car was brought out. And I thought for sure that we were going to end a race under a safety car. Mm-hmm. Um, we ultimately red flagged it. And it was red flagged because for two reasons. Yes, Jonathan Wheatley, and, and we heard the radio call, and it was fantastic to hear that call. Jonathan Wheatley, the sporting director over at Red Bull, radioed to Michael Massey under the safety car and said, Michael, I know you've got a lot going on right now with trying to sort this out. We, are, we had absolutely no warning that this happened. We are recommending that you red flag the race so that everybody can get off these tires. Uh-huh. It was I, it was an impressive call to make. And the fact that it was made that, I mean, it had to be made that quick because the safety car was only out there for what, two laps? Yeah. So for Red Bull to recognize that this was was how that had progressed and what that actually meant and then to radio race control and say, for the safety of everybody involved, We're recommending you red flag the race. I think that was pretty huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So we red flagged the race. Uh, The drivers, however, were a little frustrated over the safety car situation, particularly when it came to Max's stop. Because as you'll recall, when, and, and there was a penalty earlier on, wasn't there? Somebody got a penalty under, um, oh, was it Sonoda? That got the penalty under Stroll's pit stop because they were in double yellows and we saw the truck driving on the track to recover Stroll as somebody went speeding past. Or was that the day before?
1: I don't remember that one. Yeah,
0: there were so many of the, these incidents. But when it came to the safety car for Verstappen. By the time the safety car was called to get out there, the pack had made it past Max. So they were under double yellow flags. Max was already out of the car Mm -hmm. as the pack came roaring down. And there was a lot of confusion because, again, keep in mind, double yellow flags are very different from a safety car condition. Because once you get out of the sector with a double yellow flag... Racing's still on. Correct. So yeah, you want to slow down, but you want to be strategic and give yourself space because you get out of that sector, you're on the gas pretty quickly to get moving again. And to the point that it caused confusion that um, Ferrari radioed to Leclerc as he was going past that he was still racing for position after passing the yellow flags. Now, Leclerc Instantly realized what was going on. And he's on the radio going, it's a joke. That was a joke. We knew, th- That wasn't real. We're, we were not racing. The safety car needed to be out there. <laughs> but yeah, that that's what Ferrari radio. So there was a lot of concern over the fact that the safety car came out so late. And it came out after the fact, after the pack had passed Max on the track. And Max was out of the car right. at this point. Um, So that is a topic that's going to be brought up at the GDPA meeting in France. But everybody, every one of the drivers is upset over that. So then we move to the decision to red flag the race. And honestly, I think it made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of question, though, about what they were going to do with the red flag. Because apparently, in the past... When a, a red flag was thrown with like three laps left in the race, they would just end the race.
1: And, and that's why I was surprised they didn't just go on and end the race.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now, if, they, if you red flag the race after a certain distance, you figure the standings by going back to two laps. And wherever things were set, that's that's the final standings of the race. Michael Massey, however, said that um, the way the rules were written, there wasn't any reason not to restart the race. If they could clear that they had the time, they had the daylight, it was still safe to race. So they were able to clear the track. Why not have the race?
1: Well, I mean, more power to him for doing that. Plus, that piece was exciting. Mm -hmm. I, I mean... I hate the outcome. I can't say I like what happened, but it was exciting.
0: But it makes Lewis's, Lewis's comments just before the restart kind of prophetic.
1: It really did. It really did. It was a little freaky mm-hmm. because at that point I had already checked because we watched it in tape delay. Mm-hmm. And I had already checked the standings and I heard him say that, and I knew. And I went, "Oh, that's weird."
0: It, it was I mean it was an odd convert I mean, as much as I know what he was trying to say, it was still a really odd comment to make at that point mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was weird. it was very weird.
0: So what happened? We get our restart. And it was a good race start. Lewis, however, had insufficient brakes. We'll put it that way. He had insufficient brakes and failed to slow down in time to make the first turn. Correct. Because if he had been able to do that, he probably would have taken the lead of the race.
1: Well, he had the lead going into the turn until he didn't stop.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what was done and what was... We heard the radio message at the very end as Lewis sitting on the car of, did I leave the magic on? So the question is, what's the magic? Mm-hmm. What was he talking about? So not just Mercedes, but several teams apparently have a button or setting that's referred to as the magic. What it is, and it's specifically intended for safety car type situations, where they need to keep the temperature particularly in the the wheels and the tires
1: so what it does Mm -hmm. because i read up on it what it does is it literally turns off the rear brakes
0: right it moves the brake bias to the front Front.
1: causing them to get used every time you need brakes Mm -hmm. and in low speed safety car formation lap um type conditions Mm -hmm. it causes heat to stay in the tires because what you're basically doing is heating up the brakes from the inside and it's
0: radiating it radiates into the the tires
1: tires. you get the warm tires hence Mm -hmm. magic the problem is so the way this works is you hit the magic button while you're under safety card conditions Mm -hmm. you keep the heat in your front tires back tires not as important you take the magic button off and then you go racing you've got exactly brakes Apparently he took the magic button off for the restart and somewhere in that restart procedure he hit the button again. So he... That was why his tires were smoking. Right. Sitting on the grid. And when he went to go start again the magic was put back in and he had no rear brakes. So when you said insufficient brakes he had no rears.
0: Correct. He had half of his brakes. Yes. So in... We we've gotten a preliminary analysis on the tire situation, and Max Verstappen is very skeptical. He's really up. He does not believe that th- that's what happened. According to Pirelli, uh, they are saying that the left rear. You're right, left rear, um, <laughs> left rear tire failures experienced by both Max and Lance appear at this point to have been caused by debris, mm-hmm. and they they've come to that conclusion because. They found cuts on the tires. Yep. Not only that, but they found a cut on Lewis's left rear as well. That's what
1: I was going to say, was very early when they pulled Lewis's car... And during the red flag, when they pulled his tires off, they had had already found a cut on Lewis's tire. Because Lewis's was more intact, Mm -hmm. so they could look at it. And they had found cuts in it at the red flag period. So... The call to Michael Mosse saying, get everybody off these tires, was really a good call. No telling how many tire failures we would have had, because they obviously picked up debris somewhere.
0: Well, the the odd thing about it, though, and, and this is where some of the conversation we'd heard it yesterday, but, but the odd thing about it is that normally when you get a puncture due to debris, Triggers a slow leak. It doesn't cause the sudden complete deflation of the tire or the tire the, the assembly of the tire, the carcass of the tire to blow apart or anything like that. So for without warning, like we have seen, a tire to go like this, it's unusual from debris. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things I think everyone needs to figure out. Not just why it was left rear. Left rear picking up debris and going without warning on more than one occasion.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of research to be done yeah. here. And we'll, it will take we'll a
0: while. We'll learn a bit more about this one. Um, un- unlike some of our other tire discussions, this, this could be kind of interesting.
1: We shall see. It depends on how long it goes. Fair enough. <laughs> you um, know how I feel about tires.
0: Fair enough. Uh, could so, we talk
1: about engines too? Because, you know, that's always another one that.
0: How about hydraulics? No. So Sergio Perez yes. wins the race. Yeah. And as you'll recall, he wins the race. There's the radio messages congratulating him. And as the radio messages are congratulating him, his race engineer comes on and goes, Sergio, stop the car, stop the car now right at the pit exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost, if there was another lap going... Sergio wouldn't have finished. So apparently for the last half of the race, he'd been suffering a loss of hydraulic pressure.
1: Oh, no. And
0: it finally gave out just as the race ended.
1: Wow. I mean, that's the (laughs) equivalent of Lewis finishing the race on three tires. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, we we talked about hydraulics.
1: See? There we go.
0: (laughs) One thing, though, we did miss was an incident between Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin, his teammate.
1: They had an incident?
0: They did. Last lap, on the last straight, as they were nearing the finish line. Um, Schumacher w- was chasing down Mazepin, and as they neared the finish line, uh, went to overtake only for Mazepin to move late to the right, just as Schumacher was about to overtake. Now, he left enough room for Schumacher to clear him, but this was a high-speed jink Mm -hmm. at the last minute, which, of course, Schumacher was mighty ticked off about.
1: I think he had some words.
0: Um, So, after the race, um, Mick said that he'd have to look again at what had happened because it wasn't so nice in the car. Now, Mazepin, when asked about this, he said, The main thing is I'm a little bit upset about losing my position to the teammate on the main straight. I ran out of battery there, so I was a bit of a sitting passenger, but it is what it is. Which, really? So the team's response, and and I'm, I'm starting to lose some respect for Gunther. Okay. He says... There was a situation on the straight. That was all resolved and we've cleared the air. There was some misunderstanding, but we're fine and all moving on from it. Which says to me that the misunderstanding was, dude, that was really the wrong thing to do. Don't do it again.
1: It's like they didn't even pull out the naughty step. hmm They need to go get Toto's naughty step.
0: Yeah, Dimitri's... Checkbook is having way too much influence over that team and how they handle Nikita. How they handle Nikita, yeah.
1: I'm not impressed.
0: But there might be an expiration date on Nikita. Really? Courtesy of the Russian government.
1: Oh, do tell.
0: Oh, yeah. You'll, You'll like this one. So apparently Russian citizens, particularly... Russian males, have a requirement that between the ages of 18 and 27, they must complete one year of military service or suffer a two-year spell in jail. Oh. Nikita is 22. Okay. He has not served his military service, and he has been told, and Dmitry has been told, that under no circumstances will he be granted a waiver. From said military service.
1: But he's 22. He's got five
0: years. He's got a couple of years. It, it depends on exactly when. It, it sounds like the the Russian government may be um, leaning on him to complete his military service sooner rather than later. Wow. Both Nikita and Dmitri are a bit ticked off over this. Over the fact that... Athletes and scholars don't appear to be able to get waivers for the mandatory military service.
1: Okay. I'm
0: thinking maybe it's just a matter of that bad athletes can't get waivers from military service. But I don't know. I don't know how it works in Russia.
1: Well, I mean, it would depend on who's gotten a waiver for their military service.
0: Well... If he was a hockey player, I, I think... He'd have that, no teeth. Well, well I was going to say, if he was a hockey player, you know, at least in the Soviet Union days, it was the, the Red Army team that used to feed the Olympic team and was, you know, a, one of the best hockey teams in the world. But it was the Red Army team because you, that was what you did for your military service. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, I'm guessing there is not a race team in the Red Army.
0: I'm I'm fairly certain there's not, although that would be kind of amusing. That all of a sudden tank races. Yeah. Well, yeah. His new sponsor is the Russian Army, and they have to paint the car green. (laughs) (laughs) All the lettering is red with yellow highlights, and yeah.
1: You know, I think that he, as a Russian citizen should be proud of his required service. His civic duty. And do his civic duty. We all have to do our civic duties.
0: Sooner rather than later. I would suggest,
1: you know, before
0: Paul worked hard. Not only that, but I think he could probably find some very valuable and important self-fulfillment and would encourage him to serve multiple years as part of his term
1: you know he may find his calling
0: he might he could drive tanks that that would be perfect for him actually let him go learn how to drive tanks and then he can go and run over stuff and nobody would care especially in them. russia nobody would care
1: well the ukrainians <laughs> might have a right, thing to say about that okay fine
0: that. yeah don't, don't if you send him to the ukraine and he runs over stuff they get upset but yeah
1: but the tanks spin.
0: And on that note, we'll call it a show We are so glad you came Bye-bye 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 now Bye Bye
1: Bye-bye Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle Thank you Okay, bye-bye now Bye-bye
0: Bye Bye. (laughs) Okay